with a Texas twang. Fireside Talk Radio, the show where women ponder the things we store in our hearts. Host Kathy Carafi invites experts to talk openly about what women care about, like how to create lifelong companionship, dealing with mental illness in our families, bullying at school, and many others. You name it, we talk about it. Listen in now as Kathy helps us find answers to our most tender questions. Welcome to Camp Crafty Fireside Talk Radio, where our goal is to ponder over all the tried and true stuff women store in our hearts as we knit our families together in lifelong fellowship. Our favorite verse on this show is, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, Luke 2, 19. Today, we have a wonderful show. I'm so excited about our guest. But our sponsor today is Noonday Exploration. Noonday helps families by purchasing oil and gas royalties from estates. For more information, call 903-530-9352 or go to NoondayExploration.com. And we certainly want to thank them. Our topic is the serious symptoms of post-abortion syndrome. Before we introduce our very special guest, B.J. Garrett, I'm going to introduce my co-host. My co-host today is Ellen Crafty Trant. She is the mother of five, one due to arrive any minute, so I'm very excited. She is my daughter. Ellen has a background in media, business, and science. She is a serial entrepreneur. She entered her 30s as the president of a small company. She and her husband now own a franchise. So thank you for joining me today, Ellen. And why don't you introduce our very special guest? Thank you, Mom. I'm so happy to be here today. Our guest is CARE Executive Director B.J. Garrett. Now, CARE stands for Christ-Centered Abortion Recovery and Education. She served as a facilitator in abortion recovery and was on the board of directors of CARE before shifting to her present position as Executive Director. She has extensive experience in numerous nonprofits throughout East Texas and is a graduate of Baptist Missionary Association Theological Seminary. She loves teaching Bible studies and is available to tell her story as a public speaker, which you've done frequently, BJ, in the last few years since taking this position at CARE. And since we're close friends, I'm just going to throw out one more thing about BJ. This is an honor very distinct in East Texas. She has actually been a minister on the staff of a Baptist church. That doesn't happen very often. So please welcome, help us welcome to our show today, BJ Garrett. Welcome, girlfriend. I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much, Kathy and Ellen. It is great to be here with you. There's just so much for us to talk about, but for those of people who don't know your story, it is a story that I myself cherish very, very much. And so would you mind sharing it for everybody to hear? Absolutely. So my story really begins with a really dark and ugly childhood. Um, unfortunately, it's not uncommon, but my story was full of abuse sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. My mother was in and out of prison much of my childhood. We would live with family members. CPS would be in and out taking us um, to safe places because our home environment was so dark and ugly. All of that kind of came to a head when I was about 11 years old, and that's whenever I moved to Texas. And I moved to Texas to live with my biological father. My mother and sister 
would soon make the trip as well a few months later. But for a few months, I lived alone with my father. And that's when the sexual abuse really began in my life. My father would um, end the night very drunk um, doing things to me that no father should do to his little girl. And that began a dark secret in our family for many years. Um, Once my mother and my sister moved to Texas to live with us, the abuse did not stop. In fact, it grew worse where my mother would actually allow other men to have access to me, sometimes for a bag of groceries, sometimes for the cost of an electric bill. Whatever our financial needs were, typically I was the price for that. Because of that, I became very sexually active at a young age. I can't explain why the one thing that you're terrified of and that you're most repulsed by, for me, which was sexual activity, is the one thing that I ran to. But I learned that sex sells and sex gets gets attention. And so I began Mm. to Mm. seek out the love and affection from other men. And because of that, I found myself pregnant at the young age of 14. And and let me just say, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a pro advocate. I'm not here to push teen pregnancy or anything like that. But I will tell you, for me, becoming pregnant at the age of 14, though I was such a baby myself, getting pregnant saved my life. Mm. I was on a huge downward spiral of sex and drugs and alcohol. And when I became pregnant, I knew that I had to stop all of that because I was going to be a mom. And, and I did not have a good example of what a good mm. mom was, but I had a great example of what a bad mom was. And so for me, I knew that if I could just do everything different than my mom, then I could give this little girl who I already love so much a, an amazing life. And so I chose life and became a mom at 15. Mm. Um, mm. I, was, I was 15 for five days, y'all, when I became a mom. And mm-hmm. um, I was scared to death. I didn't know what I was doing, but um, I, I got a job where I, I would have to work um, like nine in the morning till nine at night, and I would have a little off time in the mornings, I mean in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. And my little girl would stay in her little stroller while I would walk to work, and while I worked, she'd stay in her stroller, and then nine o'clock at night, we would walk home together. Mm. And um, it was a very trying time. Um, I, I did marry her father, which is a little ironic, but we did not stay married for very long. Uh, the process of that, though, rescued me out of my home because though I was still a child, I was considered an illegal adult because I was married. And mm. um, so, uh, as I said, our marriage did not last. And so I was a single mom. And uh, I got involved with this guy. He, you know, it's a joke now, but he had a, a Camaro with T-tops. And so I'm like, girl, stay away from the Camaro with T-tops. But he, oh, he would, funny. I know, it's a mess, really. But he, would, he began to give me a ride to work, so I didn't, have to walk, I didn't have to walk to work anymore. And it was not very long at all, and I was living with him because that was just kind of the next step of our relationship. Mm. And, and I got pregnant. And at this time, I was so ecstatic. I mean, I love this guy so much. Mm. I mean, he told me I had nice eyebrows, and that was just, you know, <laughs> I thought he hung the moon, y'all. 
<laughs> and um, I, it sounds so silly now, but, you know, I was such a shell of a little girl that just being told that I had nice eyebrows made me swoon, you know. Oh. And so whenever I found out I was pregnant, I was so excited. And when I told him, he told me he didn't want to be a dad. And all I could remember in that moment in time is my father, my biological father, when he was in a drunken stupor, literally spitting in my face, telling me he wished I had never been born. Mm -hmm. And when this man that I love told me this about my child, all I could think was there is no way in the world I would ever have a child and have him feel the way I have felt my entire life. Mm -hmm. And so he drove me to Dallas and I had my first abortion. Mm. You know, um, from that, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about the consequences of an abortion experience, but for me personally, I just went through a deep, deep major depression. I became obsessive about becoming pregnant again, and I did end up becoming pregnant again with my son, and it was um, just, it was, it was just kind of crazy, but um, when I was five months pregnant with my son, I came home and my then boyfriend was lit, was in bed with another woman. Oh and my. so I, it was just, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like one bad thing after another kept happening. Um, but mm. so basically I end up moving out and then I am a single mom now of two kids. Mm. And in that moment, um, I was desperate. I couldn't imagine. I had, I had grown up so poor my whole life, and I, I refused to allow my children the same heartaches that I had had being so financially um, broken um, growing up. So the, um, I had a friend that suggested I go to work at a gentleman's club here in East Texas, and my first thought was there's no way I could do that. Um, but unfortunately when you're a single mom and you're scared, um, that's, I, I decided to go and, um, I became a topless dancer. And, it's kind of ironic too, that they call them gentlemen's club. Oh, I know, you know, and all the years that I worked in the club, I never met one gentleman. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, but, so yeah, that's, I became a, a topless dancer. I ended up having another relationship with one of the customers there, had another abortion. I never even told the guy that I was expecting. I just drove to Dallas with a friend and got rid of the problem. BJ, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you here because we're going to have to go to break in a second. And I, uh, your story, as you know, is so dear to my heart. I just want my listeners to know I knew you long before I knew your story and I loved you. You, you're the most talented, amazing woman. And just, I mean, we were just together this week and we we're laughing so hard. We couldn't hardly get any work done. And so <laughs> I mean, I love everything that it took to get you to be the person you are today. Every bit of your story is dear to me. And I just want our listeners to know that. It, I feel that we've just shared a very beautiful, cherishing thing with them. And, and we feel so honored that you would share it. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about what post-abortion syndrome is. So that if our listeners, it's one in three women have had abortions. And so we don't want to miss a chance to give people the information they need to understand if they are traumatized and 
and need to reach out and get some help for what may be short-circuiting every bit of their life, and they don't even know it. So let, as we go to break, I need to thank Noonday Exploration again for presenting today's very tender episode. I'm so grateful to them. And Ellen, I think you have something else you might want to add to that. Yeah, remember that you guys can catch more interviews anytime on a full range of topics that women ponder in their hearts at kathycraffy.com or at Toginet, our partners in podcasting. And remember, another thing, all inquiries at CARE, that's CARE, abortionrecovery.com, are strictly confidential. When we come back... As we talk about the things women store and ponder in their hearts, more truth with a Texas twang when we return. Y'all to see my blue-eyed Sally. She lives way down on Chimbone Alley. The number on the gate and the number on the door in the next house over is a grocery store. What if I told you there was a new place for senior care? A place where mom's bathtub recitals are met with rousing applause? <laughs> where Lola the Yorkie Poo has the run of the place? A place where corn dogs are on the menu? Whenever. It's home, where mom built her life. Call Home Instead Senior Care at 1-800-455-CARE or visit homeinstead.com to learn more about in-home services like 24-hour care, memory care, hospice support, and meals and nutrition. Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Each week, join Coach Frankie Picasso for Mission Unstoppable, where you'll meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Join Frankie Picasso every week for Mission Unstoppable and learn how. Stop. Hi, this is Kathy Craffy with Fireside Talk Radio, and I'm here with B.J. Garrett, the Executive Director of CARE. Christ-centered abortion recovery and education. We are here to help men and women have their lives restored after an abortion experience. You, if you want to know more about how to recover after abortion, look for our upcoming episodes on Fireside Talk Radio with BJ and Kathy Crathy. Thank you. Thank our generous sponsors for making these candid conversations possible at Fireside Talk Radio, where we talk openly about the things women store and ponder in their hearts, where truth and Texas twang meet. Raised on shrimp and catfish and mammy's good gumbo. I got that rambling fever. Welcome back to Camp Crafty's Fireside Talk Radio. We're here with BJ Garrett talking about serious symptoms of post-abortion syndrome. BJ's here to compassionately share on this tender subject of how abortion affects women and their families. She just before the break shared her own story, which was powerful. BJ, you and I both have stood before crowds and told our stories about the experiences we've had with abortion. And one thing we've learned together is that women are really eager to find anyone who can listen compassionately about this and not judge. And men, many women who've had abortions report experiencing a pattern of symptoms. So would you mind explaining what those symptoms are post-abortion syndrome? What is that? 
Absolutely. You know, and the, the short answer of that is that it is the um, term that is it's actually a form of PTSD that occurs in the aftermath of abortion. But some of those um, symptoms include anger, anger at yourself, anger at the um, other person involved, whether it was your best friend that drove you or the, the father of the child, enormous amounts of guilt, nightmares, nightmares and memories that come flooding back of the moment. Different smells can trigger those um, memories of, of just being in the, at the clinic, self-destructive behaviors, eating disorders, um, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, poor self-image, promiscuity is huge, um, shame, isolation. I mean, there's just so many symptoms. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't recognize often that it comes all the way back to our abortion experience, uh, which is what is so sad because we just think that we're depressed or we're lonely or we're, um, we're just acting out in all of these different ways, and we don't recognize until someone comes along beside us and helps mm-hmm. us understand that it goes all the way back to our abortion experience. Yeah, I remember sitting in the psychologist's office. This was, uh, you know, probably 30 years ago, and she asked me, Kathy, why why is shame, why does shame keep coming up in all these things we're talking about? What is the root of all that? And I told her, I am not ready to talk about that yet, but I will get ready so that the next time I come in, that's where we'll begin. But I can't do it today. I I was too exhausted and it was too scary for me. When I came back the next week, I told her, I I had an abortion and I think that's where all the shame is coming from. And she said to me, you are so courageous to talk about this. And nobody had ever told me I was courageous before. And it it turns out I really, really am. (laughs) Sometimes you just need someone to say those things to you um, and encourage you. So I want women who may be listening to know there are people out there that really understand this. Absolutely. And, And you're not alone. Um, when numbers like one in three, I mean, let that sink in. One in three, there's three of us here right now, one, two, three, and two of us are post-abortive. And uh, think about when you're sitting on a church pew and just start counting one, two, three, one, two, three. And let's see mag- the, just the magnitude of that sink in of how many people are truly struggling, usually silently, by, because of a, an abortion experience that they've gone through. Ellen, is I think that, you have. Is that one in three women or one in three men and women? It's actually the, so. Not, typically, all numbers that you're going to ever see are only going to include women. Now, if you throw in the men, the numbers are probably much higher. Um, and and you'll hear it said both ways: one in three men and women, one in three women. But um, but honestly, all numbers that you see that are ever recorded are only on the women. Men are men have no count in the abortion industry at all. They have no voice. And it's kind of sad, too, because the work we've done with CARE as, as volunteers, and now you're the executive director, what we've learned is men have such a hard time with abortion because their hearts are broken. They're grieving, too, and nobody is giving them any help. So there, there is some help out there now available for men, and CARE certainly has a heart to help whole families, not just the wives but or women, but also anybody else affected by abortion is welcome to come and get help. Absolutely. So, well, it, 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 
tactics, is, is there a certain age, BJ, when women seem to come to terms with their abortion? Or is it a certain experience in life that happens? And what, what seems to help them once they get there? There's, you know, every woman's different. Every story is different, though there's similarities. I mean, I would say that most women, it's at least five years after their abortion before they're ready to come to terms with it, before they really acknowledge the weight that is played in their, in their lives and their emotional state. Um, oftentimes when a woman gets pregnant again with a more planned pregnancy and as they're going through those stages of development through this wanted child, um, the realization of what happened during their abortion comes to light and it's just, it's very, very destructive and and painful for these women to go through. Um, But most women, I mean, we, we have women that, literally go decades upon decades upon decades, sometimes 30, 40 years where they had never told one single person about their story of abortion. Whenever I tell my story, there's always somebody that comes up afterwards. And one of the things that has surprised me most is the number of grandmothers who come up and, and their hearts are so broken because yeah. their daughter, maybe they even went to the clinic with their, their daughter and now the reality of that is finally sinking in as their as their grandchildren are growing up and being born and and so they just it it it's just so painful they can hardly stand it and they're eager to talk about that and so that's one reason that I continue to tell my story whenever people ask me to because I just like you BJ I know our stories are powerful and yours is so dear to me I I just was so grateful that you were willing to do this with us today Now, I did have one other question on this topic of sort of the data-driven part of this. There there are differences in in medical abortions and surgical abortions, and and I'm wondering what the difference is and how women experience the consequences, if they do at all, if it's different for those two types of kinds. Well, the truth is, is no, not emotionally. Um, Possibly physically, there are some differences. Um, Obviously, there's differences in the sounds, and and you're not in a clinic if you're not having a a surgical abortion. But as far as emotionally and spiritually... Explain the difference. What is a medical abortion versus a surgical abortion? A medical abortion would be considered something where you take medication to end the pregnancy, and a surgical abortion would be where you go into the clinic and they use um, machines to to terminate the pregnancy, to end the the pregnancy. Um, And so oftentimes young girls can be sent home with a pill that they take, um, you know, a a couple of times, Mm -hmm. and that ends the pregnancy. And it's the... It's also, it could be very dangerous, but what I'm concerned about is the emotional effect because they, they've, they've lost a child. Um, regardless of how they lost a child, they've lost a child. The moment that they became a mother, um, they are instinctive into love, care, and protect their child. And when they have um, chosen abortion or when abortion has been chosen for them or forced upon them, that immediate um, regret and shame and loss is it, it, it takes over. And it, it, no matter how you lose your child um, by way of abortion or otherwise, um, the destruction is the same on your heart. So if you could offer some comfort, I know we're going to end up ending the show before we offer all the comfort that is available through a ministry like CARE, but if you could just give a 
a quick synopsis of some of the things that people could expect if they were able to find a group like CARE that's very compassionate and takes abortion as a personal issue, not a political one. What could they expect to get as far as help goes? Well, I would just say, first off, you are not alone. Um, There is a host of ladies just like you that we understand the hurt, we understand the pain, the loneliness, the guilt, the shame that all comes with your abortion experience. And just reach out, make the phone call, send the email, and sometimes just knowing that someone else feels just like you feel or has felt that way, it gives you so much comfort just to know you're not alone. Make the phone call. Call us today. We will be here to help you. It's non-judgmental. This is not a political issue. It's a heart issue, and we're here to help heal your heart. Mm, That is so beautiful. And Boy, if ever there was a person who had a beautiful heart, it is you, B.J. Garrett. You, oh, you're just, thank you. You are just such a pleasure in, in every way. I, w- I really wish my listeners could meet you and, and know you personally like I do so they would understand what a deep and beautiful spirit you have. And I just want to thank you so much for all that you've given us today from your own heart, your own experiences. And, and I think there are going to be women who have... Um, very difficult childhoods or experiences in their past. And they're going to be really encouraged when they hear your story and realize what you are doing now and how many women cluster around you. And you just attract such strong, amazing, beautiful women. So thank you for that. Thank you. It It is a huge honor to be able to do the work that I do. BJ, thank you. I just want to echo everything my mom said and and just thank you for being our special guest today at Fireside Talk Radio. People will be blessed because you took the time to be with us today. So thank you, BJ. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. And we want our listeners to know you can find out more about CARE at careabortionrecovery.com. We also want to thank our sponsor for today's show, Noonday Exploration, to find more about oil and gas royalty purchasing, contact them at noondayexploration.com or go to 903-530-53, I mean, excuse me, 9352. If you would like more information about our sponsors or guests on today's show, or if you would like to recommend a guest for future shows, please contact me at Kathy Craffy. That's Kathy with a C. K-R-A-F as in Frank, V as in Victor, E as in Echo.com. Thank you for joining us today at Camp Crafty Fireside Talk Radio, where we ponder all the tried and true stuff women store in their, their hearts. Truth with a Texas twang spoken here. So join us again soon. We're going to have more episodes. And if you missed the episode about that BJ did, Abortion affects the church. And and I certainly hope that you will look that up and find it at at our partners in podcasting, Toginet. And you can find them at toginet.com. So that's truth with a Texas twang spoken here. And we just want you to know, BJ, again, we're just so grateful you were here with us today. Thank you for that. Thank you so much.
Thank you for joining us today where we speak truth with a Texas twang about the very things that touch our hearts. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you again next week. Oh.